0: Hey there, Blakely here. Been almost a year since we started streaming What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. Wanted to thank you for tuning into our podcast, for downloading it, for your interest in what we're doing. We're taking a week off to recharge, but are offering a replay of one of our early episodes. If you've been with us from the start, you might like hearing the material again. If you're new to what Barry's talking about, it'll give you an idea of what we have been working on and what we will continue to work on going forward. Thanks again for your interest. again, Dan Blakely from Barry 360 with What Barry's Talking About. Here's what we have for you this week. If you like to hike, we take a look at the trail system in Simcoe County, which is getting bigger all the time. You know you can pretty much walk from one end of the county to the other uninterrupted. We have found a new way to interrupt the Canada geese that gather on waterfront properties, an ambush system that uses artificial intelligence. And if you're bored with plain old everyday ping pong with one paddle, we introduce you to a new game born in the Bay basement in Barry that allows you to play with both hands. But first, customer service from both sides of the counter. A lot of anger from the customer's point of view over airline flights, internet service, meals, you name it. And while customer service reps try to make things better, they can often add more fuel to the fire with their response. In his role as customer service advisor, Mark Gordon has seen it all and heard it all. Mark, my mum used to tell me when I was gearing up for a go with a retailer or a company that you can catch more flies with honey. I'm sensing we're not catching a lot of flies these days.
1: Absolutely true, and that's great advice, and that applies both to the the business itself, the frontline workers, and the customers. A lot of times customers walk in with that attitude that, you know, they're always right, and, and they deserve to get whatever it is they want, and that's not always the case.
0: Well, we grew up with the customer is always right, so is that part of that equation? Well, oh, I think that's
1: the worst advice ever, and you're right. It is something uh, that's been thrown around many times. I believe that the customer is not always right, but having said that, the customer should be treated as, as king or queen, as the case may be. Uh, they should always be treated with respect. They should always be made to feel valued and appreciated in terms of the interactions, but uh, a customer is not always entitled to get everything they want.
0: So what's happened here over the years? Because I, I, I think... Social media has a big role to play in this where somebody complains about something and then everybody just piles on and then everybody's angry and then they all lash out at a company.
1: Very true. You get that gang mentality going. And and what we often see on social media is one-off cases that people gravitate to and think that is the norm. Uh, Also, we have to remember that everything on social media, for the most part, is skewed. Uh, in favor of the person who posted it. So uh, if a person shares a negative experience they had with the business, they tend to leave out the part about how they acted, you know, whether whether they were rude, whether they were belligerent, whether they were overly demanding. You know, uh, based on the post, they were probably the nicest, most easygoing customer ever. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course. So, what are we going to do about this? Because I, I, I see people when I'm out and about in businesses, in retail uh, environments, and uh, customer service reps or, or sales clerks are bearing the brunt of everything. And often it's not even their fault, it's a company policy that somebody's railing against.
1: Well, the first thing I would say to any frontline worker is to stop apologizing so often. I think we've all been there where you call the business and you have an issue and the person apologizes and you go on to explain you know, the stress it's caused or, or whether you're inconvenienced in some form, and they just keep apologizing over and over, but nothing actually seems to get done. So the first thing I would say is stop apologizing so often. You can apologize initially that the customer's in that situation, but jump right into doing something about it. Uh, Another great thing uh, a frontline worker can do is is share their own personal experience. So, for example, if you call up an airline and you're speaking to to a customer service rep and you're saying, look, my flight got canceled and, and I'm stuck here or I can't travel or I missed my, my, you know, my cousin's wedding or whatever. And the person on the other end says, you know what, I know exactly what you're going through. Even though I work for the airline, I had the same thing happen to me. As soon as they say something to that effect, all of a sudden they go from becoming an adversary to becoming an ally because now you're in this journey together. And then right away, focus on getting the job done. Don't worry about trying to console the customer, trying to apologize. Say, look, let me do everything I can to to get you back on your way. Or if I can't do that, at least let me see what I can do to minimize the damage to the situation And, and, and get right to work. And the customer will gladly go along for that ride if they know that you are trying to help them.
0: All right. So we've done all that and we've had a, a, a good conversation with the customer service rep. We still haven't uh, achieved the outcome we were looking for. What's the next step?
1: Well, we have to understand a couple of things. First off, you may not always get the outcome you're looking for for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the outcome you're looking for may be unreasonable. So if you missed your flight, asking for free flights for six months, that's not <laughs> going to be a, a realistic outcome. Uh, on The second point being that sometimes it just can't happen. So, for again, let's say you missed your flight. Well, the, the plane has left. You can't have that flight. It's physically impossible. So you, it can't be done. Uh, but what can happen is they can try to get you the next best thing. And if you're not happy with the, the uh, alternatives or the options being presented to you by the rep, there's nothing wrong with asking for a manager.
0: I'm wondering, too, because the thing I see now is, People often are not even uh, trying to resolve the issue with, with the restaurant or the store or whatever. They're just going straight to social media and bellyaching about it to get the crowd uh, in behind them. And do we need to stop doing that?
1: Oh, absolutely we need to stop it. And I see it so often in the hospitality or restaurant industry where someone will, will get their order. It's not quite what they wanted. They'll take a picture of it, post it on social media, and, and bag on the restaurant. What they, and, and here's the thing. The outcome didn't change. All they did is, is, is kind of ruin the restaurant's day and, and got people riled up. You know, at the end of the day, especially now more than ever, I think a lot of people in the hospitality industry, they want to create a positive experience and they want to be given that opportunity. So if you just call the manager over or call your server over and explain the problem. of the time, not only will they be more than happy to change your order or whatever, fix what's wrong, but they'll probably cop you something anyway just as compensation.
0: Good advice. Thanks so much for this. Is there a a website people can go to that you have more information on?
1: Yeah, if they want to learn more or catch any of my YouTube videos where I'm always sharing uh, advice on customer service and customer experience, they can just visit markgordon.ca, and that's Mark with a C.
0: Mark, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Mark Gordon is a customer experience advisor. As he mentioned, he can be reached at markgordon.ca. been sitting around on a lazy Saturday afternoon with your friends contemplating whatever and one of you says, hey, I got a great idea. Happened to Barry's Ben Battaglia as he and his dad were riding out the pandemic, sitting in the basement staring at an idle ping-pong table. And out of that came a two-handed ping-pong game he calls two-pong. We got up with him at Kempenfest where he was showing off his skills.
2: My dad and I played for days and days through quarantine just to try to kill time and Eventually we kind of got bored with the standard ping-pong racket, so I started picking up different objects in our basement. And we ended up landing on, uh, I ended up putting on those trainer's gloves that the uh, the trainers wear for boxers. Yep. And we taped a few ping-pong paddles around them. And uh, I started playing with that and said, wow, this is pretty cool, this is actually working. Okay. So from there, the idea kind of evolved into where we are now with two pong, where you just slide that paddle right on like a glove.
0: How long from the, the germ of that idea to where you are now?
2: Well, that originated kind of in the first quarantine, I'd say, the first lockdown of Ontario, so it's been about a year and a half uh, to come to, to fruition, but we just recently launched in May officially, so our website's live, Everything's we're making sales now, everything's live. Here at Kempenfest, you have a
0: small table, but it can work on a larger ping-pong
2: table as well. We typically we typically will play on a standard-sized ping-pong table. Uh, this one here that we have at Kempenfest is more for portability, but we do offer these guys on our website. I find that they're perfect to take camping to the beach. Uh, you set up some two-pong. If you're done with two-pong, you can play cup-pong. You can use it as a dining table. Uh, it's a multi-purpose kind of table, so it's perfect. Versatility is the key here, right? Exactly, versatility. So if, uh, even, if even if you don't have a table at home, we actually do offer these retractable nets that you see on these tables. They can they can clamp on any table, dining room table, any table you have in your house. So if you don't have one of a ping pong table at home, grab one of these retractable nets, and they work just as well. And how has interest been in this? How is it picking up for you? Everybody that puts on these gloves absolutely loves the game. I've seen, I've seen people from from young young kids to to uh, older older grandpas and grandmas coming by with their families and their young and their younger grandchildren play. It's it's easy to pick up. People usually are able to pick this game up within five ten rallies. And they're able to go back and forth with no problem. But
0: well, that's what I was going to ask. People are used to holding a, a ping pong mallet in one hand. Now you've got both hands going. And I, I guess uh, years ago there was a beach thing you could get with Velcro and like a tennis ball, and you had both hands going. Right. But now instead of catching it with that Velcro,
2: you're hitting it back. Exactly. I used to play that game as a kid too. And when we kind of came up with these paddles, that was one of the, that was one of the first ideas that went through our minds. Like, oh wow, this is uh, this is just like that game you just play on the beach. But one thing I find about this game is when they're on your hands and you're using your own arms, it's a lot easier to control. I, I, people people seem to be able to use their own hands much better than they are to the ping-pong paddle exactly. And
0: is it gaining traction nationally,
2: internationally? Well, we're just starting here locally. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of traction here in Barrie. It's great to be able to Fest here and see people from out of town, Toronto, and different places of the province come down and check out our game. So we're hoping that after this weekend we really gain some traction and start spreading uh, uh, throughout Ontario and, and nationally, I guess, uh, in this year.
0: Have you had people come up and watch you play and instead? Stand back and say... Why didn't I think
2: of that? Yeah, people can't believe it. It seems like such a simple idea. Why not just throw the paddles on your hand? It seems like, how did we go through all of time without thinking about this idea? Ping pong's been around for for so long. Um, It it really is just something that people just go, wow, this seems like such an easy and great idea.
0: If people want more information, they want to see it in action, how do they find
2: out about it? Well, we're on all social media under 2Pong Official. Uh, That's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, you can also check out more information on our website at www.playtog.com we got tons of videos. Learn how to play on there and uh, purchase your own set of paddles on our website.
0: He's tough to beat, but he's up to your challenge. Barry's Ben Battalia taking ping pong to new levels with Tupong. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, hitting the trails in Simcoe County and using artificial intelligence to get the better of Canada geese. Now this.
3: While everyone's buying back-to-school supplies, you're picking up concert tickets. It's Rachel with the Rock 95 concert listing. This Thursday to Saturday at the Key, it's Glorious Sons. August 19th, Scotiabank Arena. Greta Van Fleet's going to be there. August 21st, over at the Rogers Center, it's the Chili Peppers. And August 21st at Bud Stage, it's Scorpions. August 22nd, Imagine Dragons. The Mercury World Tour is coming to the Rogers Center. August 25th to 28th at the ESSA Agriplex. Rock 95 brings you the Straits, Just Heart, a heart tribute, and more to the Berry Fall Fair. August 27th, Bud Stage, Blue Rodeo. August 30th, it's the Bare Naked Ladies rescheduled show. The Last Summer on Earth Tour is going to be at Bud Stage. September 3rd to 4th, At the Key, it's Sam Roberts. September 6th, Bud Stage, it's the Black Keys and the Dropout Boogie Tour. September 16th and 18th, over in Cookstown, Rock 95 brings you the Gusapalooza Music Festival. And if you want to get ticket details on any of these shows, head on over to rock95.com.
0: Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about. From Barry360, I'm Dan Blakely. already an extensive lineup of trails connecting communities in Simcoe County and there are plans for even more. Another $350,000 being invested in 13 more projects under the Trails Connecting Communities program. We tracked down Nathan Westendorp, the county's director of planning, wondering if it's already possible to hike on trails from one end of the county to the other.
4: Well, Dan, that's actually the vision. Uh, Back in 2009, we realized that a lot of the local municipalities, 16 of which we have here in Simcoe County, which, by the way, is almost the size of uh, the province of Prince Edward Island, uh, all of our communities are blessed with a lot of trails, but we really wanted to put some extra effort and county funds towards helping those local municipalities connect the many communities we have. Uh, The focus of the program is really to connect uh, our 93 settlement areas and the people that live within them, and to uh, enable them to have more active lives, as well as uh, it's a bit of a tourism draw, frankly. Uh, we have uh, a great resource in those trails, and we'd love to be able to celebrate them with other people from uh, around Ontario.
0: How many of the trails have you been on? I've been on a fair number over the course of the, the
4: past decade or so. Uh, it's probably beyond the number that I can count, uh, but they're, because of the program and they're growing every day, there's always new trails I need to get on every year.
0: And what are people going to find when they, when they go on these trails? It's, it's through wooded areas, it's, it's, it's nature, it's nice to get out in those, but mm-hmm. is there anything special they're going to find along the way?
4: I think uh, across Simsco County we're blessed with uh, a wide variety of things, but I think the biggest thing that you'll find is these trails and this program is focused on uh, multi-use trails. So whether or not you're on a bike, you're pushing a stroller, or just walking your dog, um, that's what we're really focused on, uh, providing the maximum benefit to the most amount of people. Uh, this doesn't really go onto the hiking trails. There's many great organizations that are grassroots and uh, well organized to be able to take care of those, and we've got expansive for us to deal with those. But this is what you can find is uh, a- the wide variety of natural resources we have—you uh, might even stumble into the uh, a few lookouts and uh, boardwalks, as well as you um, can connect to some of the great downtowns and the uh, emerging and vibrant urban scenes that we have, and uh, the culinary delights that uh, you can find in some nooks and crannies uh, across Simcoe County.
0: And are there little hints along the way if if somebody? gets a little bit lost and needs to find their way out? We're
4: working on that. Uh, We've been definitely providing uh, our local municipalities with some support on wayfinding. We did a large initiative several years ago to uh, really map out and to sign uh, some of those major loops, but there's always room for improvement so we work with the uh, local parks and rec departments uh, where those things need to happen. Uh, But we try our best to make sure people know where they need to go and where they're at right now.
0: 119 trails as it is, and you're looking to, to fund about 13 more in the next few months?
4: That's right. That's how many projects have been uh, funded in the past, and we're approximately $2.7 million in funding oh, since 2009, and uh, we're really excited about this project continuing into the future.
0: And how does the funding work? A municipality comes to the county and says, hey, we want to build another trail, and uh, how, how can you help us?
4: Uh, that's uh, basically a great way of saying how it starts, so they reach out to us, they know the progr- program exists, we have dedicated staff here who uh, work with the local municipalities just to make sure that the projects that they want to do can meet some of the basic eligibility requirements things like I talked about earlier multi-use and uh, baseline accessibility and um, we want to position every project towards success Um, so the way it works is we provide matching funding, 50-50 local municipal money versus county money, up to a maximum of $30,000. That number can creep up higher where you have two municipalities working together. For instance, uh, this year, we just uh, cut the ribbon on a joint project between the township of Tiny and the town of Penetanguishene near their border uh, that really enhanced um, where people can park and access the trail. It's uh, called the Trailhead, and it's a great example of two municipalities working together and the county supporting them.
0: All right, I want some advice for some first-timers on the trails, because a lot of people use them all the time. They know what the the do's and the don'ts are. But if somebody wants to to attack one of these trails for the first time, best piece of advice you can give them?
4: Take an easy one. Um, Make sure you have water with you, and uh, make sure you take someone along with you to enjoy it. And then most of all, check out uh, the local municipal uh, trails website or the county trails website uh, just to make sure that you have a basic map of where you want to go. Um, The basic advice is know where you are and where you want to go and uh, be prepared.
0: Nathan Westendorp is Director of Planning and Chief Planner for the County of Simcoe. anyone with a waterfront property, Canada geese. They come ashore in droves, digging, leaving reminders of their visit. Some people employ dogs to chase them away. Others plant a line of pinwheels to keep them at bay. But Sybil Taylor and her husband at Landscape Defense System think they have a better idea.
5: We do. We've been working on this for a few years. And basically, we can defend residential, commercial, recreational properties against the attack from geese, and we have a discrete, precisely targeted ambush that uses artificial intelligence to detect and then deter, you know, winged intruders. Cameras equipped with computers take uh, multiple pictures every few seconds. Then they analyze those images um, to see, is it a goose, to make sure it's not a person, not a, not a pet... And then it sets off a water cannon, which scares the geese away. It's highly effective, very safe. And then, you know, the sprinkler system retracts back into the ground. So it's, it's very discreet. Your property looks lovely. No pinwheels, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's really revolutionary.
0: How quickly does it recognize that it's a goose and not a human or a dog or a raccoon?
5: It's about three seconds between the time it uh, recognizes the goose and then activates the sprinkler. And then um, within six seconds, like the geese are flying away kind of thing. They might take a moment to react or or run off your property or whatever. But it's amazing. We actually have a... um, through Wi-Fi connection to every single installation we make, we get a little GIF image that comes back to the monitoring station with every single activation, and you get a picture of that goose on your property being recognized, the splinters going off, and then them flying away. And it's it's so awesome for the customers <laughs> to get that gift because a lot of people have been battling geese for years, and once the installation of Landscape Defense is made, they're, they're so grateful.
0: They're beautiful-looking birds, but pesky as hell.
5: No kidding. It, you know, when I grew up in the 70s, the geese were sort of revered, right? You'd see them only a few times a year migrating in in that, uh, you know, V formation Mm -hmm. as they migrated north to the Arctic in in the spring. And then back in the fall, they'd go to the southern U.S. And that honking sound was sort of a pleasant noise. But nowadays, after all the breeding programs that the governments have done in the 70s, wow, they are such a pesk. And not just... You know, not just for people with waterfront property, but um I've seen newspaper articles where they're going through subdivisions in the middle of a city and, you know, wrecking havoc on uh, city parks and golf courses. It's really a problem,
0: and they're really territorial, too. If you get too close to them, they chase you away.
5: that's right. they're They're quite aggressive birds. And so, um, you know, it's it's a personal sort of journey for us. Um, my husband and I, along with our partners, started this company because we've lived on Lake Simcoe for years now and have tried every contraption on the market and some <laughs> homemade things trying to get rid of the geese, and uh, finally we're having success. And and, um, a number of neighbors and even landscapers approached us because they could see something was going on on our property. Like, how do you have no geese and everybody else does?
0: Jealousy set in.
5: Yeah, and so that's why we we made it into an actual commercial entity.
0: We've talked about residential properties. Uh, Do you go bigger than that? For instance, there are a lot of geese on the waterfront in Barrie. Could could it be used in, in a situation like that?
5: Well, this is our first season where we're fully commercial. Last year, we had uh, we were running test sites and we had some some true customers towards the end of the season. But with COVID, our business launch got really slowed down as uh, electronic parts for our computers and cameras coming from Asia were held up. Um, so this is our, our first real full season um, in business. But um, we have mostly residential customers at this point. We did do some... Tests and research on a golf course, and that was, um, you know, that's another whole market that we're eventually going to tackle. But for now, it's it's residential properties, people that for the most part have the worst problems when they have waterfront property and we can install on ground, on docks, on decks and, uh, you know, remove these <laughs> these pesky birds.
0: If we have piqued people's interest in this, how do they get a hold of you?
5: Well, LandscapeDefense.com is our website. And there's a great video there that gives you a, a total demonstration of how it works. But there's an intake form where you can kind of describe your situation, your contact information. You can also follow us on social media. Look for us on LinkedIn or Facebook and uh, y- y- you'll, have a, you'll have a laugh looking at some of those gifts of, of uh, successful activations on some of our customers' properties.
0: Fascinating technology you have here. Thanks for dropping by, telling us about it, and continued success to you.
5: Thanks so much, Dan. Really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Sybil Taylor is one of the brains behind Landscape Defense System. Again, she can be reached at landscapedefense.com. That was an adventure from hitting the trails in Simcoe County to chasing the geese away, learning how to two and how to get the best customer service. Hope you found it all helpful. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About. Maybe rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. We're back again next week. Hope you'll join us again then. Bye for now.